end of until work for business. There's a buzz in Cape Town about a new local and international airport near Durbanville after the city has thrown its weight behind the development. And we have the director of the Cape Windans Airport, Nick Ferguson, in the studio to tell us about the project, including its plans to be an alternative destination airport. Hi, Nick. Welcome to Business. Hi, Linda. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, how far are your plans for this um, Cape Windlands Airport? So, we have been um, three years in in planning phases, um, and you know that was first a land use plan, then a, a traffic forecast, and then a master plan. Um, the you know the land use plan looks at runway directions, looks at you know obstacles, looks at things like roads and that sort of thing. Then once you 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 have sort of a high-level um, understanding of where your main runway would go. You look at traffic forecasts, and um, those traffic forecasts were done by a company called LACO, which is the Netherlands Airport Consultancy Organization. And um, they then you know, benchmarked three different scenarios, like a, a conservative um, a middle ground and, a, and an anchor airline scenario. Um, and then what happens is that they take those traffic forecasts and they create a master plan which looks forward to 2050 and you know says do you have the space for it and it works backwards in planning activity then. so yeah we we three years down the track in terms of the planning we have uh, started our environmental impact assessment um, do you have uh, you know depending on how that goes between 18 months and two years for that um, and then we will start building um, as soon as that's done. Um, and the build is anticipated to take two years. Um, you were open for comments, and I see that the um, city of Cape Town has also appears to have endorsed it. So what kind of comment did you get? So the city of Cape Town, so we have um, you know endorsements from the lo- local government and provincial government you know, from... Um, and it, it was mainly around the application, firstly for a for an international uh, license, which we which we need to to go through. Um, but in terms of the environmental impact assessment, we have had uh, comments from city departments, um, as well as provincial departments, Department of Environmental Affairs, interested in affected parties. Here. So there's there's quite a few people we've commented. And I must say that the comments are generally, you know, generally all positive. Well, the airport has such a rich history. Can you tell us about the background that goes back to what Second World War? Yes, and it was it was built in uh, 1943 by the Allied forces to protect the coastline of of South Africa um, during World War II. And um, at the time, they built that they, they actually built this this airport before Cape Town International. Um, and it's on the Eustenburg Flakter, and um, and uh, you know that was because it was a, a, a flat area, and even in, you know at the time was probably a more appropriate was a more appropriate um, site to choose a choose an airport. Um, it was held by government till uh, 1994, where it was bought and um, and we bought it off that that um, that, that entity that owned it. 
So what what is the model that you're going for? You lost the last time you told me that um, it would be an airport local flight, international flight, but also you have this unique model for the airport to be an alternative destination airport. Yes, so that's a key component. So I think the the the, the best way to explain this is we we effectively in Cape Town live on an island, um, and I, I always like like to sort of portray this as the dancing girls with the, with the pineapples and we effectively are very far away from um, other airports and realistically if you want to come to Cape Town or if you want to leave Cape Town you have to fly 90% 95% of people fly um, and what that practically means is that uh, we have a lot of traffic. Obviously, you know, I know that I know Safair did uh, fifty flights in a day from Joburg to Cape Town the the other day. That's a lot. It's uh, the Joburg Cape Town route is the tenth busiest in the world. Realistically, what happens is that any aeroplane, but I'll, I'll I'll explain it in terms of um, scheduled traffic. So an an airline like Emirates, who is taking off from Dubai, needs to plan. Their, alter, their fuel arrangements for that flight. Before they take off, they log their weight, they log how many passengers on board, how much main fuel they've got, and what their reserve fuel is in case of incidents. Um, and the reserve fuel is specifically around a destination alternate fuel. So if they get to Cape Town International and there's a, and there's a problem at Cape Town International and they have to fly somewhere else, you know, it's logical that they have to have enough fuel to get to the other airport. These other airports, so you can only um, designate an alternate airport where it has the necessary services and facilities to be able to accommodate that type of plan. So in other words, if you've got a 777, um, you know, out of Dubai, you can't fly to George because it mm. can't, you know, you can't, the, the runway is too short the, the pavement strength is not strong enough, etc. So realistically, what's happening is that every international airline, wide-body airlines, um, are designating Johannesburg as an alternate. And, and they, in the case of Emirates, would carry 10 tons of fuel. So as when they take off from Dubai, they are carrying 10 tons of fuel in case there's a problem at Cape Town. They burn four tons of that fuel, of the 10, depending on weather. So they burn four tons. By the time they get to Cape Town, they're sitting at a reserve fuel of six tons because if you carry weight, you burn fuel. They burn those those, those four tons. That four tons is in rand terms costing them 100,000 rand at flight. But if they didn't carry 10 tons of fuel, they would carry 10 tons of payload. Now, payload is obviously cargo or passengers. And, you know, and, and so... That upside is is you know in the region of one and a half million rand of flight, so there's a there's a cost and there's an opportunity cost. And we are saying to the airlines, we will share in this benefit. Let's share in the benefit. You take a portion of it, and we'll take a portion of it, and we'll use our portion to fund the the aeronautical infrastructure required to be a designated airport. So that's that's the primary thing. So that will give us a runway, and it will give us um, a small terminal building, a 
think of us Cat 3 RLS, uh, and to put it in perspective, Cat 3 is the highest category of um, instrument landing system, uh, which effectively is when you're flying in on a Cat 3, you can have zero um, visuals, visual R visuals, but you can still land. Um, Cape Town currently is on a Cat 2 um, ILS subsystem, so we'll, we will will be superior to Cape Town International. Um, in terms of ILS, we'll have a longer runway. I know Cape Town International is planning a, a, a new rear-line runway of 3.5 kilometers, but the current runway is 3,200 meters, not capable of landing um, all planes. So there, there are constraints on Cape Town International's uh, Runway with all with an with an A380, for instance. Is um, the saving that airlines could make also the reason why you call could call yourself the greenest airport in the world? Yes, yeah, so that's um, so so you know any entity can look inwards, and 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 they do. You know, airlines look inwards, mines look inwards. You know, businesses look at how they can change their operations to make themselves greener. But realistically, what you know, it's very rare that there's an entity that can have a have a massive impact outwards. So, you know, we will have electric vehicles, we'll be off the grid for um for our electricity. We'll uh, process our own water. We will have our own sewage. Mm. Uh, we'll store stormwater on site. All of those things, you know, all add to our, our green credentials. But realistically, we are saving the airline industry. You know, it's it's in the region of one to two billion, one to one and a half billion um, rand a year. And how how that works is because they burn fuel, they emit by burning extra fuel, they're emitting more carbon dioxide and carbon emissions. And by us building this airport, we will save them. You know, these emissions just by simply building it. So, um, what response have you had from airlines um, to come into with you into this venture on this basis? So the response has been great. So, you know, Linda, if I say to you, "There's a hundred rand," um, and I say to you, "Listen, please just give me fifty rand back," what would you say? Probably yes. You'd probably first at, at first think that there's something wrong with it. You probably think maybe I'm getting um, maybe the hundred I'm getting is not not real but you know this is real so we didn't we didn't come up with these numbers we spotted the opportunity and we engaged a, a um, aeronautical performance engineers out of germany based in berlin and they modeled this scenario for us so we 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 um, you know commissioned them to model it for different routes and different planes um and the airlines have corroborated the numbers so you know all these airlines go, you know, what they do is that you give them the numbers and then they've got their own processes and they check the numbers. And in some cases, their numbers are actually coming up higher than our numbers. So what's the timeline um, of the project? Uh, you said first flights, what is it, 2027? Yeah, so that's that's the target. We're confident that we'll be able to do that at this stage. Um, and, you know, Without with the support we've got, we will we can achieve that. And apart apart from the, you know this long uh, runway that you're going to have, what other facilities will you have at the airport? So quite the saying that NACO um, 
gave us. And it's the airport leaves the city. The city follows the airport and the airport becomes a city. So, so realistically what happens is it actually becomes a city. So we will have, you know, in terms of our master plan, we've got fuel, we've got, um, we've got cargo, we've got maintenance organizations. We've obviously got a terminal building. We've got a, a VIP terminal building. So for a special um, anchor airline, we have got general aviation, which is everything other than scheduled traffic. We have um, hotels. We've got uh, cold storage facilities for cargo. We've got yeah, a link actually that between two rail two uh, harbors being Sildana Harbor and the, the, the harbor in Cape Town. So yeah, there's a wine experience. There's a um, there's a museum, an aviation museum. Uh, you know where we we've, we've in fact had a had a 1908 or something plane donated to us which will be in that museum. But we, there's guys that uh, have these these amazing collections of historical planes that they wanting to show people and wanting to store. And, you know, we will gladly take those, those in our museum. Uh, you mentioned an Anchor Airline. Who are you looking for? So we believe the Anchor Airline will come somewhere from the Middle East. It's obviously... People, uh, airlines that are flying already direct into Cape Town. It, you know, it could be, it could be a new one. Um, so realistically, the airlines that are flying uh, direct at the moment are, you know, the bigger ones. Who we think would be an, an anchor airline are Qatar uh, or Emirates. Etihad is, uh, you know, out of Abu Dhabi is a is a real. You know, option they've you know they've just opened their new airport in Abu Dhabi, where the a terminal building is seven hundred and eighty thousand square meters terminal building. <laughs> to put that that in perspective, that's that's almost like uh, yeah, it's 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 a huge huge you know, it's bigger than any of the other uh, terminal buildings. So there, there's this competition between these Middle Eastern airlines. Emirates, Qatar, and Etihad, and now the new kid on the block is um, Saudi and Riyadh Air. Um, out of Saudi, you know, out of Saudi Arabia, they they currently have two airlines: Saudi Saudi Air and um, and Riyadh Air, which is this new option. So realistically, if they're wanting to capture this, you know, this market, you know have uh, naming rights for instance so if that's what we're offering we're offering some sort of exclusivity we're offering mm-hmm. naming rights um showing them the savings that this airline this um airport will bring you know for a company like emirates it's in the region of 50 million dollars yeah and are they also your investors no they're not our investors at the moment but we're hoping that one of them uh will come on as a as a as an investor in our, in our airport. So you've mentioned that it's going to be a city and the impact of that. What impact do you think it will have on the tourism industry in the Western Cape? In the traffic forecast that was done by NACO, they, they um, broadly, Cape Town is at um, 10 million passengers per year currently, or prior to COVID, it was at 10 million passengers, 10 to 11, yeah. Um, and 
the market is going to go to 20 million. We will have five out of the 20 and Cape Town International at 15 out of the 20. So realistically, we will have one in every two new passengers that come to Cape Town will come to us and we'll have 25% of the market. That's what um, the traffic forecast predicts, but we think, you know, we think we're going to do better than that. Could you tell us about the team you've pulled together? I know that Rob Hershoff was involved initially. He was involved um, and he stepped aside in March of, of, of this year, 2023, um, and is no longer involved. Um, we we have an executive board of directors, um, you know, four executives and five non-executives. In, in our executive team, we've got um, myself, Dion Kuti. Dion was the head of Cape Town International Airport from 2008 to 2021. So, you know, if there's there's someone who knows airports in Cape Town, it's him. Um, And prior to being the head of Cape Town International, he was the head of Durban Airport. So um, from 2001 to 2008, he was also uh, the general manager of South African Airways from 1990 to 2001. Then we've got Klingenberg, who's the ex, also ex-AXA, head of um, design and strategy for, for AXA. So she looked after all nine AXA airports in terms of their, um, you know, their strategy, their master plans. Their, she had all of the, you know, the team, you know, she had, she had six people reporting direct into her in terms of planning at airports. So she's, there's no one in South Africa who's better than her. And Mark Wilkinson is our GM. He's a chartered accountant like myself. Um, I mainly come from a property development background, but then in terms of our non-executive board, we've got Dirk Ackerman as our chairman, and he founded AXA in 1994, and he actually was the CEO of AXA from 96 to 2000. He was succeeded by Montlachlachla at AXA, that she was there from 2001 to 2011, and she's also on our board. So we have two ex-AXA CEOs. You know, make comprising of more than half of AXA's entire lifetime. That's when 1994, um, you know, we're going into 30 years of AXA and Dirk and Mutla had, um, had, you know, half of that time. Well, Nick Ferguson, thanks so much. And we'll watch this one with interest. Thank you so much. Thank you, Linda. I appreciate your time.